new series today. Uh, uh, we're in really, really different times than I've ever seen in my, per- in my life, and, and you probably would say the same thing about yours. Uh, I do believe that we're living in the days just prior to Jesus' return. And people have said that perhaps in every generation, but if you know anything about eschatology, study of end time events, Bible prophecy uh, in the Old Testament particularly, and, and just the things that God said would sequentially occur just prior to the second coming of His Son, then it looks like we're in the era of time that we really, really, really could be the generation that sees Jesus come back. Now, that's exciting and challenging at the same time. So probably here's what's going to happen. We get through this fast. I'm going to, once we get through the fast, I'll probably do a, a fairly good long series on end-time events on Wednesday nights because there's a lot going on, and you need to be clued in on why you see what you see, what's happening, and what's changing on planet Earth. The Bible has a lot to say about it. I've been studying the study of end-time events or studying on end-time events for uh, Geez, over 30 years now, and uh, God's actually really revolutionized my belief system in the past nine years. So there's a lot to learn, a lot to hear, and a lot to share. So um, we're living in that time, and so uh, to start the year here, I want to start a series on walking by faith. In fact, faith in action, and uh, it's really important to walk by faith. The, The New Testament has a lot to say about walking by faith we walk by faith not by sight second corinthians 5 7 uh paul said fight the good fight of faith lay hold on eternal life uh um, he mentioned in ephesians 6 take the shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one uh we live a lifestyle of faith so so faith in fact first john 5 4 john the beloved apostle said, for whatever's born of God overcomes the world. The victory that overcomes the world is faith. So, you know, my question when I say that, why do we even need faith? I mean, what happens if I don't exercise faith? Maybe that's a question you could ask. So, so what is faith going to do for me that a person that doesn't have it doesn't experience? Well, those are, those are good questions. Today I want to talk about five biblical reasons uh, why we need faith. Um, Revelation 12, let me read this. Uh, 9 through 12, so the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now that's sometime in eternity past. We don't know when that is. When you read scripture, it's unusual. You'll read scripture in, in the same paragraph. You've got sometimes thousands of years or even longer that, that are dealt with, and there's a gap sometimes. So then he says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, strength, the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God, day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath because he knows he has a short time how many would agree we're living in a day of tremendous pressure in fact it feels like it just keeps increasing by the week well this scripture reveals that satan knows that his time is short it mentioned that he was thrown down to earth that's what i really want to talk about today is the reason we need faith and then what we can do with what we find out from the scriptures um you know, Satan wants to stop the purposes of the kingdom of God and, and the purposes of the kingdom of God. You know, Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, according to the book of Genesis, basically uh, uh, gave away the rights. 
to the earth for a limited period of time. And, uh, and when Jesus comes back the second time, all he's doing is righting all the wrong, judging all of his enemies, recapturing the earth that belongs to him that was given away by default. We'll talk about that today. Reclaiming it for the kingdom of God and then causing everything to come back the way it was before Adam and Eve sinned. How many think that's a pretty good idea? So the enemy seeking to hinder that in every way that he possibly can. He seeks to hinder the purposes of God in individual lives, in the lives in, in church life, in ministries, in, in ministries lives, in communities all over the world. How many know he wants to keep pastors like me from preaching the word of God in a strong way where people can be born again and people can be set free? He wants to mute our voices. How many would agree that he wants to do that? He's seeking to get Christians, believers, to compromise in their personal lives with the world, the flesh, the devil, and, uh, and to, to, to make the things of God innocuous. He wants to, us to be lazy about the things of God, so we won't take time to seek God and His will for our lives in the Word and in prayer. And then perhaps more than anything today, you know, he's, uh, he oversees distractions, which the distractions in and of themselves aren't necessarily sin or even sinful things, but they take us away from, from God and take away the time that we could spend in prayer and in the Word so that our, our spiritual lives don't, aren't very strong. How many hear what I'm saying? He wants us to compromise with uh, all of the things around us so that we, we live innocuous lives. How many know it's the will of God that you be strong in the Lord? And so, you know, in, the enemy, when I think about the devil, he's kind of like the... He's kind of like the mafia chieftain that nobody ever sees or knows and doesn't even know his name. He's just working behind the uh, scenes subterfuge. Nobody sees him incognito. And he's just kind of, you know, making sure things happen the way that he wants them to happen. But nobody ever sees him. That's the way he works today. I want to talk about that a little bit today and uh, talk about why we need faith, why we need to exercise faith and um, and we'll go from there. Uh, three, there's a book that's been out for really 2,500 years. It's called The Art of War by Sun Xu. How many have ever heard of that book? Uh, military, military planners for generations have, have read that book. It's an old book, 500 B.C. It authored, but... Uh, you know, he just had some uh, principles. It's actually a free book now. You can download it and read it for yourself. It's an interesting read. It's a Chinese guy. Uh, the Art of War. He's got three principles uh, from that book that are insightful and interesting that really do apply to all of us as we stand against Satan and his forces. Number one, he said, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you don't have to fear the results of a hundred battles. Huh? So, so do you know you and do you know what you're facing? That's what he's saying. Uh, he said, if you know yourself but not your enemy, for every victory gained, you'll also suffer a defeat. So it's one thing to know yourself, but you know what you're facing. And that's the, that's the reason uh, our nation even seeks to know our enemies and what their strategies are. And as believers, we need to know what the strategy of the enemy is. Then lastly, if you know neither the enemy nor yourself, he says you'll succumb in every battle. How many want to win every time? So to win every time, you need to know who you are in Christ. Then you need to know what the strategies are with the enemy that is arrayed against us. So I'm talking about an enemy. You know, a lot of people, I realize when I say these kinds of things, there's a, a large portion of our culture doesn't even believe in the devil. 
They don't believe in the personal devil. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of churches that never even, even talk about Satan. They don't talk about his kingdom. They act as though he's not real. And you know what? When you act that way, you're more bound than you realize. How I many hear what I'm saying? So today I want to talk about five biblical reasons why we need to exercise faith. And all has to do with the fall of man and what happened there. If you can understand these principles, you know, uh, uh, your spiritual life can literally take off. Let me say that I was raised in a, a Southern Baptist church. I love Baptists. I love the Southern Baptists. They preach Jesus. They preach salvation. They do study the scriptures, whether these things be so. The spirit of the Bereans that talks about in the book of Acts. So I appreciate uh, what I cut my teeth on spiritually, but... But, you know, I, I, there's some things that I never understood growing up in church, and uh, churchianity just, just uh, man, it almost did me in. In fact, I, I had a goal that by the time I was 18, I would never go back to a church, and God has a tremendous sense of humor. Three weeks before I could make that decision, I was 17, three weeks before my 18th birthday, I had a revolutionary time experience with God, with the Lord Jesus, changed my life. And here I still am in the church of Jesus. So uh, anyway, um, so I want to talk to you today about uh, five things, five reasons you need to exercise faith. All of them have to do with the fall of man and what happened there. So number one on the sheet that you have there, uh, you can fill in these blanks. I want to talk about this succinctly, one at a time, go over it, won't take very long. Satan originated in heaven and was thrown out, banished to the earth. Now, that's an interesting concept, and it's interesting to understand. You know, when I think about any subject, I think about the foundation. I think about the origin. You know, if you're a mechanic and you're working on whatever, you're, you think about systems. You think about the fundamentals of what makes something work. For me, I do the same thing. I was going to be an electronics engineer, so I guess my mind works that way. I want to simplify something, get down to the grassroots of why something is the way it is. Why are things the way they are now? Why do we need to exercise faith in God? Well, the, the number one reason is Satan was kicked out of heaven and was kicked to the earth. So uh, I'm not going to take time for the sake of time, but Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, they're in the notes. You can reference them online. Uh, reference the fact that Satan was was a, a created archangel. He was the anointed cherub that covers. He had something to do with the protection of the throne of God. He had angels that actually worked with him. But, uh, but the scriptures, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, reveal that he was lifted up in pride because of his beauty. He also had an ability to make music. Um, the Bible talks about pipes that were in him. If you do the uh, Hebrew references on that, it has, it has um, uh, reference to musical skill, musical ability. Some Bible scholars believe that maybe he even uh, led the worship of God in heaven before he fell. He had something, to, had something to do with the protection of the throne of God. He was perhaps head of security in heaven, but he got to looking in the mirror and seeing himself, and he was lifted up because of his beauty. He was the most beautiful creature that God had ever ever created and he and he glowed in fact the word lucifer means light light one and uh jesus said i saw satan fall as lightning from heaven uh giving reference to that name lucifer which means light bearer so it's unusual he was he fell to heaven why did he fall to heaven uh he had the idea that he could run the universe better than god could Evidently, God gave him some kind of an ability to create something because the Bible says iniquity was found in him. 
Now, you think heaven's always been a wonderful place. Well, in heaven, iniquity was found. And then uh, you go in these scripture and you find out that, that when that iniquity was found in him, he led an insurrection of, of the angels of heaven against God. And he tried to, through slander, tried to convince uh, the angels of heaven that he could do a better job than God in running the universe. God caught wind of it and kicked him out along with at least a third of the angels of heaven. We don't know how many there are, a lot. And so fallen angels, and he were kicked out of heaven. When he was kicked out of heaven, he was kicked to the earth. Now I want to introduce something here, and I'm not going to go very far in this, because you can't make a doctrine out of this. There's a little tiny bit of light in Scripture that the earth is older than we could ever realize. Sometime in eternity past, God kicked Satan out of heaven because of the insurrection he led against God. He, he was kicked to the earth. Now Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, period. You don't know when, sometime in eternity past. It could have been millions of years. The other thing I wanted to be when I was a little boy was an archaeologist. And I spent a lot of time when I was a little boy, instead of what everybody else said, I would sit down and look in encyclopedias and, and read archaeology and look at the pictures and look at the strata of the earth and look at all the stuff that they would find, the unusual bones, the unusual animals. I love dinosaurs. Where do they come from? We don't have any dinosaurs today. Where do they come from? So here's what Bible scholars believe. Between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there was a gap of an indetermined period of time. And that prior, some Bible scholars believe that. If you don't want to believe this, I'm good. This is not doctrine. I just think it's cool. Because it answers questions that I have. You know, if you've got a logical mind, you want your questions answered. So, you know, you're digging down, you find all this stuff. Well, here's what they believe. There was, a, there was, some, kind of a, there was some kind of a creation prior to uh, what we call Adam's creation here. There were animals, there were trees. You find, you find in the strata, the layers of the earth, when you dig way, way down, you found leaves, you found, you found twigs, you found all kinds of stuff. You find bones, of men, it looks like humanoid-like creatures, but they don't look like us. And people have all kinds of philosophies as to what that was. And many Bible scholars believe there was a race of people here before Adam. They call pre-Adamite beings. I don't know. Anyway, Satan fell down here, corrupted that. Genesis 1-2, and the earth was without form and void. Darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Jeremiah 4 says, God did not create the earth without form and void. I could give you the Hebrew words, but I don't have time. Nonetheless, what happened, and many, some people believe there's a cataclysm, happened between Genesis 1-1, Genesis 1-2. God had to destroy the prior, the prior creation that was here, and that's what you see in the strata of the earth. If you're interested in this, Genesis Finnings Dake has a Bible, Dake's Annotated Reference Bible, and uh, he copyrighted that Bible, I think, back in the 1940s, 50s. I have a copy uh, the end of Genesis, there's a bunch of notes. There's also a book he wrote called God's Plan for Man. I'm going to stop there just to say Satan's been here a long time from eternity past. Even before the creation that we know now, the, the uh, creation that we know now, the Adam creation and the animals that we have now. So really, really interested. He perhaps corrupted a creation that was here prior to us. 
And so nonetheless, the idea is that he, the Bible is clear that he fell to the earth. He was there in the Garden of Eden after God created the man and then from the man's body created the woman. And he was there in the form of a serpent, sly, uh, conniving, and he tempted uh, the woman. And of course, you know the story. So at creation number two, God gave man. I know y'all look at me like, man, that was a lot, that's a lot to think about. Yeah, I get that. Now, I could talk about that a long period of time, but I don't have time today. And that might not be a Sunday morning message, but I did want to introduce the idea because there's some things that are really cool that could have happened anyway. At creation, God gave mankind a time-limited authority. Everybody say time-limited authority. Over the earth, very clear, Genesis chapter 1, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them, mankind, have dominion over the fish over the birds, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. God said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. Everybody say, subdue it. And then he said, have dominion. And again, repeats over the fish, over the birds, over everything that lives and moves on the earth. That's repeated in Psalm 8 as David was looking at the stars one night. And he says, uh, when I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers, Psalm 8, 3, the moon, the stars, you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about than human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than God. That's interesting. One translation says a shade lower. The Hebrew actually reads, you've made him a shade lower than God. So God created us in his image, spirit beings. You, the in, inside of you, you're, you're, the real you is spirit. There is a spirit in man, Job said. And so again, uh, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? You made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under uh, their authority, the flocks, the herds, the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, everything that swims in the ocean currents. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your, uh, your name that fills the earth. So again, you can see remnants of the original authority that God gave humankind in creation. You, you can see it now. I mean, we've conquered the air. We have these huge, huge uh, pieces of metal that weigh Mega, mega tons that sail through the air, hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour. We've, we've gone to the moon. We've, we've uh, explored other planets. We've got satellites revolving our planet. We've conquered the sea. We've got sea vessels both above and below sea level. We've, got, we've conquered the land. We've got mega, mega buildings all over the world in huge metropolises. And so, you know, you can see, you can see the, the authority that God gave us to subdue the earth. And now of recent, the past number of decades, you know, we've watched, uh, we've watched uh, man understand quantum physics, the smallest particles of matter, as we've harnessed them and, and the electronic sine waves that fill the atmosphere from little small things that you can't see, and they literally manipulate things. And, and, and so we can, in, in just a few seconds, talk to someone on the other side of the world. We can watch video from the other side of the world, and the world's become an interconnected place. And many of you won't listen to me now because you're looking at Facebook on your cell phone because of that technology. What does it show? It shows, it shows the authority 
I mean, how many know God gave us authority? And you still see that because mankind wants to conquer. We want to learn. We want to explore. Where did that come from? It come from the heart of God. You within yourself, you want to succeed. You want to be something. You want to be somebody. Anything that takes initiative and drive out is never God. Anything that causes you to be inert and lifeless is never God. God creates life. And when God speaks, things expand. Scientists say the universe is still expanding. Because that's the heart of God. God is alive and everything he creates is alive. And a lot of people are alive, but they're dead. And see, that creative element is still there, that, that authority. However, when Adam and Eve sinned, it's really clear that something really bad happened. Number three, when Adam sinned, authority over the earth was transferred to Satan. Now, I try to say things, these things in very simple terms. Uh, Hebrews 2, 6 through 8, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man, that you're mindful of him, or the son of man, that you take care of him? You made him a little lower than the angels, quoting again Psalm 8. You crowned him with glory and honor and set over him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in submission of subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. And then the last sentence. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. The writer of Hebrews reveals the problem, the problems that we face. God gave us authority but we don't have now complete authority. You still see vestiges of our authority in the way we manipulate all of the raw materials that God placed on this planet. But he said, you don't yet see all things put under him. When Adam and Eve sinned against God and did what God said not to do, I preached this so many times, two things happened. Number one, they hindered and marred their relationship with God. They were cut off. Spiritual death uh, ensued and they were cut off from personal fellowship with God and that's the state of the human race today all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God Psalm 51 um, behold I was shapen in iniquity David said and in sin my mother conceived me that means at conception I'm a sinner the human race is born in sin that's what the Bible reveals second thing that happened when Adam and Eve sinned was the overarching authority over the earth that God gave to Adam and Eve was transferred to the spirit entity they obeyed how many know if you obey God he has authority over your life but when you disobey God then that spiritual entity that you obey begins to dominate and so when Adam and Eve when Eve yielded to her flesh and when Adam purposefully sinned then the authority that God originally gave them, Genesis 1, 26, 27, was transferred to God's arch enemy, Satan. And uh, they committed literally what they did. They committed high treason against God. Here's God, the overarching authority over all that is, the creator and sustainer of the universe, created an earth to, to, to be a place for us to dwell, to, to inhabit human life, 
And then when God created human beings in his image, breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, the spirit of life, and he became a living soul. He separated humans from animals. We didn't evolve from lower creatures. We're created in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. And if you believe, I, I just dare you to try to prove that we evolved from one cell amoeba in the sea. It's not possible, y'all. It just ain't possible. Not possible. How many hear me? We're separated from the rest of creation. Why? God put a spirit in us. When Adam and Eve disobeyed God, then the authority that God gave him was transferred to Satan. He became the God of this age. So they, they really committed high treason. That is, God trusted Adam and Eve, trusted humankind with authority, and they gave it away. Gave it away fairly quickly. Well, that put God in a bind. He can't just do anything he wants to do. How many know God has to live by the laws that he enacted to govern the universe? Justice and judgment, Psalm 89, 14 says, are the foundation of your throne. So God, because he is who he is, he has to be fair to himself. He has to be fair to his enemies. And he's got to be fair to humankind. How many know that's true? God's got to be fair to everything. God couldn't just dispossess Satan of the authority that Adam and Eve uh, received from, um, I'm sorry, that Satan received from Adam and Eve. He couldn't just say, well, devil, just get out of here. He couldn't do it. Legally speaking, because Satan could say you're unjust, and he really could take his throne. People don't understand these things, and so that's the reason most believers in America live innocuous Christian lives. How many hear what I'm saying? If you understand this, you understand we really are in a battle. There really is a struggle, and when we get to the end of this, you'll find out we really do have spiritual authority. How many hear what I'm saying? Luke chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Satan uh, came to Jesus in his wilderness temptations as he started his ministry. And one of the temptations cut right into it, Luke 4, 5. The devil taking him, Jesus, up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all authority, all this authority, I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Y'all give me another five minutes. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. And I give it to whoever I want to. Where did, where did Satan get the authority of the kingdoms of the world? He got it from Adam and Eve when they sent Amplified New Testament where it says here in the King James, it says, it has been delivered to me. That is, the authority of the kingdoms of the world has been delivered to me. Amplified says, it's been turned over to me. The complete Jewish Bible says, it's been handed over to me. How did Satan gain authority over the kingdoms of the world? That's a spiritual authority. Where did he get it? From Adam and Eve. Where did they get it? From God. God's the overall authority in the universe. How many get it? Go over it again. But for a period of time, God gave some of his all authority to the human race to oversee the earth. We became God's under rulers on the earth. And, and we're supposed to take care of this planet. And we've not done a very good job of that. Would you agree with that? And so number four, Satan has a legal right to be here until man's original lease of dominion, I use that purposely, runs out. Now, we, don't, we only have what we can find in Scripture, but somehow, evidently, when God created Adam and Eve and gave them some of his authority, it was a time limit on it, evidently from the beginning. 
because Satan knew that. Here's three references. Listen to this. Matthew 8, 29, Jesus cast a demon out of a person. They began screaming at him when he did. Why are you interfering with us, son of God? Have you come here to torture us before God's appointed time? Now, what does that give you reference to? The fact that this original dominion God gave Adam and Eve, it was time limited. That's, we don't know a lot about that, but evidently, evidently. And then Re- Revelation 12, 12, I just read it. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who are living the heavens, rejoice, but terror will come on the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has a little time. So even demon forces, even the devil himself knows that the authority he has on the earth one day will come to a halting conclusion. How many are glad about that? When Jesus comes back, it will stop. Revelation 20, 1 through 3, I saw an angel coming down from heaven with a key to the bottomless pit, a heavy chain in his hand. He sees the dragon, the serpent, the devil, Satan, bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore. Until the thousand years were finished afterwards, he must be released for a little while. And then if you skip down, and I'll save time, Revelation 20, verse 10, after the millennial reign of Jesus, Satan's let loose from that pit. He tempts people for a period of time. Then verse 10, Revelation 20, the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and false prophet are, and they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the eventual end of Satan and his forces. Is that good news? Huh. So that leads me to number five. All opposition to God's will comes from Satan's legitimate right to rule here. Satan has a legitimate right to be here. God has to recognize that. Jesus recognized that when he was on the earth. And that's the reason, number one reason that we need to exercise faith. is because there, there's an, an enemy who has legitimate authority. And he's got a legitimate right to steal, kill, and destroy. If it wasn't legitimate, then God could dispossess him of his authority, make a french fry out of him, and everything would be wonderful. Well, God can't do that. Jesus recognized the authority that right now, for a time-limited period, that Satan has, Jesus called Satan a thief in John 10.10. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, destroy. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly John 14 30 listen to this I will no longer talk with you uh, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me call Satan the ruler of this world why did Jesus call Satan the ruler of this world because Satan got from Adam and Eve a time-limited authority and has a legal right to be here that Jesus even recognized how many get it you got us I mean this is clear in scripture then, then uh, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Apostle Paul talking to the Corinthian church. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. He calls Satan, Paul calls him the God, little g, God of this age. What is he saying? He's a ruler. He's got a legitimate right to be here. He might not have gotten it morally, but it is legal. And God has to recognize it. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. And listen to what Paul says here. Um, 
just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, and then he calls him the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Now, what is he recognizing? That there is, a, there is an enemy, he's got a, a right to be here, and he, he's the commander of the unseen spiritual forces. In Ephesians 6, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So there's a hierarchy in the demonic kingdom, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, and then spiritual wickedness in high places. They're all demonic forces, fallen angels that fell from heaven with Satan, and they help him in his rulership of darkness over this planet. First John 5, 19 says this, we know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. Contemporary English version says we are certain that we come from God as believers and that the rest of the world is under the power of the devil. So summarizing all that, Satan has a legal right to be here and he works again as the mafia chieftain and he works subterfuge behind the scenes. You can't see him, but he's got a scheme against God the good news is we have authority over him. And what I just started with, 1 John 5, 4, whatever's born of God overcomes the world. And the victory that overcomes the world is faith. So when we come back next time, I want to show you your absolute authority in Christ. You don't have to be afraid of demon power. If you've watched the movie Poltergeist or whatever, and the little girl's head spinning around, and she's, you know, spooky, spooky, and you're scared out of your wits. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. How many hear me? Because you have authority over him. And you don't have to be afraid of what he'll do to you. Because if you'll exercise your authority, he'll clear out. But if you don't understand that there's a hierarchy set up here, there, there's a spiritual demonic kingdom that has a legal right to be here until Jesus comes back in his second coming and that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, then you know what? You'll have innocuous faith that does absolutely nothing and you'll believe what most believers believe and that is, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. God's the authority. God's the ultimate. Everything's in God's hands. No, you're there there's a struggle there's a fight and he's given you here's what we'll find out next week when you come back the same authority that God gave Adam and Eve when they sinned that Adam and Eve gave away to God's arch enemy Satan was actually given to Jesus Christ when he was raised from the dead and he's a head of a race of brand new people called new creation people and Jesus has given the church authority over demon forces now, we can shout and holler, but question, what are you doing with your authority? Are you twiddling your thumbs and saying, okay, God, whatever you want, but are you exercising authority over the devil? Most believers hardly ever say, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. Take your hands off my family. Take your hands off me. Take your hands off my mind. Take your hands off my children. Take your hands off my marriage. Take your hands off my money. In the name of Jesus, I bind you. Now, people that don't know Jesus laugh at me because they think that's a bunch of hollow, empty words. But you know what? All I can say is it works. 
I've been walking with Jesus 42 years, four months now, and I can tell you I've had numbers of times that I should be dead. Things should not have worked out, but when you exercise faith in Jesus and let the grace of God work in your life, you know what? Things can work out for you, yes or no? Again, let me ask you the question, are you exercising your authority in Christ? Because the closer we get to the second coming of Christ, the more you're going to need to exercise the authority that Jesus died and rose from the dead to give you. You're going to need to exercise that authority over the devil against his forces that want to hinder your marriage, your family, your finances, your body, your physical health, your well-being, and everything about you, your mind, and you're going to have to stand against it. The victory that overcomes the world, our faith. 